Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Jacob Albron, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Hey, Shocker fans, want the latest on Wichita State Athletics? Let's go right to the source with Shocker AD Kevin Saul. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily, hour number two, getting going. Uh, our bi-weekly visit with Kevin Saul here, which we always appreciate, athletic director at Wichita State University. Kevin, how are you? Happy uh, holidays. Merry Christmas soon to be. Merry Christmas to you as well, Jacob. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. I understand you're flying solo this morning. Yeah, you'll have just me uh, here for the next little bit, so no problem there. We'll get into a variety of things for you guys. I, I think most interesting and pressing for the listeners is what what last week looked like. It was a uh, it was a bit of a roller coaster there with a with a district court decision in West Virginia that maybe pertained to one of your athletes. I'm curious. So Ronnie DeGray is now with the team. Was that a timing thing, or did that have something to do with this ruling in West Virginia? Well, I'm not sure what what you mean by with the team, but let me walk you through the the, the details on eligible. On it. Sorry, yeah, uh, it play. can be a little convoluted. So no, it's okay. We'll we'll uh, just really high level. So <clears throat> the the judge in West Virginia was hearing a case that was brought by the uh, state attorney general of seven different states, and the case basically uh, resulted in a preliminary temporary restraining order. Uh, which basically means you, you render uh, certain elements unenforceable. And the, the temporary restraining order covered two pieces of NCA legislation. One was the multi-time uh, transfer, and the other was what's called restitution, Jacob, which is uh, basically uh, institutional accountability and consequences if you were to play an ineligible player. Like if the temporary restraining order finished and you played a player, uh, the institution wouldn't be held uh, liable in terms of vacating wins or any sort of a, a fine, anything like that. So basically what that did is open the door for multi-time transfers to participate uh, and play in games from December 13th to the 27th. <clears throat> well, with that came a lot of questions because the, the, the questions that immediately come at the institutional level is, 
well, if we play, if an, if a young man decides to play in those two weeks, will he burn, he or she burn an entire year uh, for playing one or two games? Because obviously nobody's going to make that choice uh, to play one or two games. And so the NCAA originally put at risk burning a year on playing one or two games. <clears throat> and at that point in time, you still had some institutions making what I would, I would deem as a pretty bold move and playing them anyway. Um, we, we had the advantage that we weren't playing until Saturday night. So we could obviously hit the pause button on that. Um, and Ronnie and his family obviously decided they wanted to, 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 to wait to see what would happen on the 27th. So that's kind of where we stood. And then literally uh, 24, 36 hours later, the NCAA came to an agreement with the um, uh, with that court and with the attorney generals from those seven states, and basically uh, extended the the restraining order through the end of the year. Uh, in essence, uh, rendering multi-time transfers the ability to compete this season. Yes, they would still burn a year, but we were no longer talking about a two-week period of time. Um, so that cleared the way for the next decision point, which was for a young person to decide, do I want to burn an entire year of eligibility on 21 games in the postseason versus a full season of 31 games in the postseason? And Coach Mills and I had chatted about it, and, and we were uh, most definitely aligned. Both of us feel like that's the decision of the young man and, and the family, and, and we would never try to pressure or influence that. Um, and so – uh, the DeGray family, we spent a lot of time with uh, with uh, his folks, Ronnie's folks, and Ronnie, and, and uh, they came to a decision, and, and obviously he played the other night. And what an awesome story to to, um, to be impactful on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, he had a couple of assists, had a bucket, uh, but then to get your hand on a game-winning block as well was really, really something special. So really happy for Ronnie and that journey, and uh, that we're in a spot now where where he can compete and do the things that he loves to do. Yeah, we we it, it is a great story, which is all you know we ever hope for. So I just want one one point there of clarification for for me and for I think everybody. When you say end of the year, you don't mean the end of this calendar year. They've been cleared. You mean the end of the competition year, right? Through the end through of the, the season. academic year, yeah, through the the entire yeah. season. Yeah. So the decision so, point became twenty one games in postseason. Yeah you want to burn a whole year of eligibility on basically 10 less games than if you had a full season. So that's, that's the case. We get, you know, Ronnie DeGray back on the court. Um, I, I, this is interesting though, bigger picture because now we have a, we still, is the court hearing still on for, or is that a week from today on the 27th? So bit, we still don't have finality in the, you know, ultimate issue of a second time transfer, do we? That still has to be decided in court. That's not yet. Yeah. So the the twenty the the hearing on the twenty seventh was specific to extend the temporary order and issue a Got preliminary it. injunction that would be a longer period of time. Um, and my understanding is that that hearing on the twenty seventh has been suspended based on the agreement that the NCA okay. and the state attorney generals from these seven states reached. So where do we land yes, then? To your point, Jacob. I, we're still going to have to get to a long term solution on multi year okay. transfers. Yeah. Okay. So w- what do you think the appetite from this is? Because I think it, it's curious when we saw state attorney generals coming. Because I, I get mixed. You know. I get mixed signals, I think, sometimes from people within the college sports world. I don't what what is the appetite, do you think, for 
you know, most administrators and coaches on the second time transfer. From what I can gather, administrators and coaches would like these players to be able to come in and play, or maybe it's just that you guys would like more clarity on how it needs to happen, but do you think there's support for allowing that free second transfer, or do you think there's more support to not have the chaos of the transfer portal as much? I, I, I do have a hard time understanding where the industry lands on that. Yeah, I think the overarching and universal thought process is, is everybody wants clarity. Just just a, a, a real clear understanding of what, where we're headed and, and we will work within the kind confines of those of those constraints. I think there are mixed emotions on multi-year transfers uh, because once you get to multi-year transfers, you're in essence talking about unlimited transfers. Um, right. And so what does that world look like? Um, you know, are we still in transfer windows uh, that are designated annually? Can you transfer in the middle of the season? Can you play for two institutions in the same year? All of those questions would need to be answered and, and we can, uh, speculate on on where the general public would land on several of those. I would tell you that within the industry of college athletics, there is a loud drumbeat uh, about the impact and the negative uh, influence of tampering that's going on, whether it's communication in a handshake line after the game or with a high school or AAU coach indirectly. All that stuff is going on, and there are ADs and coaches all over the country that are very, very concerned about the influence of tampering. The problem, Jacob, is tampering is really, really hard to prove. Um, and so those same, many of the same administrators and coaches that might be advocating for um, free up the transfers to unlimited transfers, well, that's going to open the door to a lot more tampering. Um, so it, it's not a simple discussion. There's intended consequences and there are unintended consequences for those decisions. And and as a, an association, we need to make sure that whatever decision we make, whatever clarity that we provide, that we walk into that with eyes wide open in terms of what the unintended consequences are going to be. Yeah, you just can't have nice things, right? I, I, I totally get that. And it is maddening. And I know it's tough for fans, but ultimately, I always try to take it this as what's best for the athletes. I, I do... I, I like I want to solve this, Kevin, and I know we talk about this stuff all the time and it's a fool's errand and all those things. But I am curious, like when when Charlie Baker, the new NCAA president, sends things out about a trust. I, I think for me, I've thought about for a long time. I mean, the Wild West is proving to be too wild. The old model to me is is, you know, not OK. But like what it, what about work? contracts like many of us operate through like here is what you have on the table here is what we've gathered for you and you can get it if you complete a work contract of x number of years i know some of that to some degree exists now but is that is that an attainable goal to you know and maybe you keep one transfer free like we have now but you know at that point it becomes a little easier to swallow to hold these kids down if they are signing some type of financial agreement more than a scholarship. I don't know. Is is that something that has any merit at all, any any sort of work contracts with these athletes? Well, I think the important piece is, is there's a lot of creative thoughts, and obviously you've got thoughts, Jacob, and our listeners have thoughts, and your, your listeners, I should say. And Shocker Nation has thoughts, um, and the, the key is going to be to synergize all those thoughts into um, a 
you know, an achievable pathway for where we're headed. I, I think, um, you know, I was a student athlete and I can remember the day that I, I got my national letter of intent in the mailbox. Uh, it was one of the coolest days as a young person to know that you had an institution that, that wanted you there that was going to help pay for uh, your school and all the elements that come with a scholarship uh, that was going to help you to develop as a young person, as an athlete, as a student, as a person uh, to become successful. That was a really exciting day. And at no point in that process do you ever think about employment contracts or um, dollars beyond scholarships and all of those things. Now, granted, I wasn't in a revenue sport, but this thing's evolved, obviously, uh, over the last yeah. couple of decades. And I think what we have to be really, really careful of, Jacob, is the unattended, unintended consequences of employment. Um, at the end of the day, there is still value in a college degree. There is still value in the support that is provided to student athletes. We're a $25 million budget. We have 250 student athletes. So if you want to break it down in the simplest forms, Jacob, we spend about $100,000 per student athlete on coaching, travel, facilities, gear, nutrition, you name it, um, insurance, um, sports medicine, uh, strength and conditioning, all of those components. And when you venture into a world of employment, there's taxation for uh, direct compensation and, and then benefited compensation, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, we pay, as employees of, of Wichita State Athletics, we pay taxes on our, on our tickets, on comp tickets, because that is a taxable benefit. And what you will have is a, 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 a cohort of young people that will have a significant tax liability in terms of $100,000 a year in support. Um, in addition to the scholarship, room, board, books, tuition, fees, cost of attendance, um, all Alston educational funds. And so if you start looking at that, you're going to have young people entering college that, that may have $100,000 to $125,000 in taxable income that would be taxed at even a, a 20%, one of the lowest tax brackets that are out there. You're looking at twenty dollars to $30,000 a year in tax liability. So what does that do for young people? At the end of the day, boy, you're saving up every ounce so that you can pay. Is that what we want? Um, do, do we want to eliminate opportunities for young people because they can't afford the taxation piece? The decisions that we make in regards to trust funds will have significant long-range impacts financially for athletic departments all over the country. When you enter into employment status, uh, Title IX becomes uh, less influential. And so what I see is that entire pathway, Jacob, working its way towards reduced opportunities for young people. You're going to see athletic departments cut programs all over the country because, number one, they can't afford to do so. They're going to make decisions on which ones they're going to prioritize. Title IX may or may not be less influential if you get into employment uh, agreements. And when I see reduced opportunity, I see reduced degree, degrees. And at the end of the day, that's the whole point of college athletics uh, is to develop young people, to develop programs, to equip them with the skills to be better people, to be good athletes, to be good students, to be good leaders in their communities. There is value in a college degree and everything that comes with it and the lifetime earning potential of that degree. That's not in the value equation right now in a lot of our conversations. 
Uh, and so I think it's important for us to keep all of that in mind as we chart our new direction. Um, and, and obviously, it'll be a very interesting uh, year. So President Baker's letter uh, really is a starting point for discussion. There's some specific uh, details within some conceptual um, framework in that letter. And I would expect at NCA convention in, in this January, there'd be much dialogue about that, about multi-time uh, transfers. And then obviously, we're going to get to some legislation that may be uh, enacted either uh, by this this January's convention would be enacted probably summer or August 1st of 24. Uh, and some of this is going to take a year's worth of discussion and planning uh, that may be up for vote uh, in January of 25 uh, to be enacted that, that summer and fall. So it's a really long answer to your question, Jacob, but no, it is it, a little bit of light on it. It does. And it's, it is so complicated and we always appreciate your insight on this because it is complicated and there are layers to it, which you know, for me, it's why I, I think everything has to be take more time than I think people want it to. Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul joining us in a you know discussion of broad things, and we'll get into you know the holidays for the Shockers here in a minute. On the taxes part, which is very interesting, how does it work now though with NIL? They already are going to owe taxes on NIL earnings, correct? Like that's a that's a dynamic that is is already cracked open just a little bit, or or am I am I wrong on that? No, no, you're right. In fact, if um, if um, they've got agreements through Armchair Strategies, one of the options that Armchair provides for young people is actually to pull out um, uh, taxes so that uh, each each month um, or or within each payment to to make sure that at the end of the year that the young people have the dollars to be able to pay their taxes because NIL income is taxable income. Um, the currently all the elements of a scholarship, room board, books, tuition, and fees, all of those elements, also educational funds, um, those are uh, not taxable benefits. So as soon as you get into that commercial side on the NIL, it does become taxable. So, so yes, but at the end of the day, Jacob, you're looking at a taxation on anywhere from, you know, a couple of thousand dollars maybe to, to uh, for the, the average uh, men's basketball player is probably going to be somewhere in that 25 to 30 range is much yeah. different than when you uh, go the employee employment route. Now you're talking about six figures worth of taxable income annually. Yeah. And so for folks at home, and I think I understand it because we, my wife and I run businesses. So, you know, it's different to withhold, you know, federal income tax and Medicare, make all that stuff when you get a paycheck versus when you're a private contractor, which I assume this would more look like when you just get all the money up front and you're going to owe a whole lot of taxes on the back end, right? Like it's, it's not as simple as, well, I don't have, you know, my taxes are withheld from my paycheck. These wouldn't be, these would be private contractors essentially, right? They would have then all those taxes owed at once at the end of the year. Yeah. The designation, the designation on what a student athlete would be in an, in a quote unquote employment type model is very complex as well, because all 50 states have different laws that impact independent contractors versus uh, employment employees of institutions. You got workman's comp issues. There's all kinds of elements to that. And at the end of the day, um, Man, I, I think we're doing ourselves and the, the the enterprise itself a disservice if we disconnect the educational piece. It's something to keep in I mind, Jacob, totally at a really agree. high level. Uh, there there are 1.2 million student athletes that are engaged in 
uh, NAIA, National Junior College Athletic Association, or Division One, Two, or Three Athletics, $1.2 million. There is a little over $5 billion in ex-aid scholarships that are distributed to those 1.2 million student-athletes. So when you make decisions that impact broad base, the opportunities for young people to get degrees, if those start to shrink, you're talking about the second uh, largest grants and aid program in our, in our country's existence next to the GI Bill, right? So now you're starting to talk about uh, the education of our society. And I don't want to get philosophical with you, but um, you've heard that d- democracy is, is dependent on education. And I so think. certainly we've got to make really, really careful uh, about this industry-wide because it's not just impacting the 250 student-athletes at Wichita State. It's impacting 1.2 million students, degree seekers in our country. It's impacting $5 billion worth of athletics financial aid uh, to these students so that they can they can be first-gen college grads. They can do things that have never been done before in their families. They can usher generational and transformational change in their families. So we got to be really careful about reducing those opportunities based on the decisions that we make in the next several months or years. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally, and that's that's one. I think what's one of the big challenges, and why you know, as much as we may not want the government involved, they may have to get involved. It's just like with you know, with it's it's. I try like when we when we look at other components of society, if somebody you know wants to value me in a certain way, like how do we get to that piece? How do we just get to the to these young people? being as valuable as they can be, but not, you know, compromising the entire experience. I, I get it. It's a, it's a insanely complex issue. I love the discussion. It's fascinating to me. We always appreciate your insight really do uh, because you bring a, a level of experience and, you know, just candid nature that we appreciate here. Kevin Saul, Wichita state athletic director joining us. Okay. So let's talk real quick. Shockers. It's the holidays. I think all the attention right now is on a big, what we hope is long-term every-year rivalry with K-State up in Kansas City. How are things going for that on y'all's end? I assume we expect a pretty fun environment up there tomorrow night. Yeah, we do. I checked with uh, some some colleagues and longtime friends that I have at K-State and then the interest bank folks, and, and both parties are sharing that uh, it's closing in on a sellout. So um, nice. look forward to, to our guys playing in a really, really cool environment. So, um, again, I didn't get a specific number, but both both entities have said we, we they've done really well. Um, so that part's really good. Uh, the question we get pretty often, Jacob, is how much uh, 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 yellow and black is going to be in there. And certainly we, we can have the dialogue about where the, the zip codes uh, for purchasers, where they're originating from and. And all that's really great until you're you're in state you're playing an in state rival and you don't understand that a Wichita zip code could be wearing black and yellow or it could be wearing purple. So uh, we'll see what that looks like. We're excited about it. I think anecdotally our fans are excited to get up there and spend some time in Kansas City before the holidays and and uh, enjoy what will be a, a really good basketball game. You know, Kansas State has won four overtime games this year. They're they're a resilient group obviously struggled a little bit in uh, in their most uh, recent contest with Nebraska, but you know this is a group that that uh, rebounds it offensively, 18th best in the country. Uh, for a little over 42% of their shots come from uh, three. They hit about eight of those a game. 
Um, they get to the free throw line quite a bit, do well. It, it'll be a real challenge for our guys, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to getting there tomorrow night. Anything else? Next time we talk, it'll be the year 2024. Uh, that's on our immediate radar. Anything else fun and crazy exciting you guys have coming up before the new year over the next two and a half weeks or two weeks, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So women's basketball has got Oral Roberts uh, tonight at six. Um, we got a couple of pr- pretty cool promotions going on, Jacob. We got international student night. Uh, as you know, we've got a pretty uh, heavy influence of international students at Wichita State that not all of them get the opportunity to go home. So we've got some special things planned for them tonight. It's also ugly sweater competition tonight at uh uh, at Charles Koch Arena for women's basketball against Oral Roberts at six. So encourage fans to come down, wear the ugliest sweater that you got, and uh, who knows, you might win that contest tonight. Uh, and it's easy to get in tonight, uh, Jacob. It's uh, bring two cans of food. You get one free GA ticket um, awesome. to get in. So it's obviously our canned food drive for the holidays as well. So that'll be really good. We've got uh, a regular season matchup against Can- University of Kansas on December 30th. Uh, up in Kansas City. Uh, That's the first time we've played those guys in the regular season in 32 years, so obviously we're looking forward to that as well. And then uh, both programs get into conference play pretty quick. I cannot wait for conference basketball. I don't know what to expect. It's going to be crazy and exciting, uh, and we'll be there before we know it. Kevin, we appreciate it. Again, Merry Christmas. You guys have a happy New Year. We'll talk to you again just after the New Year. Uh, Good luck up there in Kansas City. Hope it's a great crowd and a great game and a great show. Thanks so much, Jacob. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, and uh, happy holidays to you and your family, and all the best in the new year, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. There goes Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director. If you missed anything from that, there's a lot of interesting discussion on you know, this situation that played out with Ronnie DeGray, how that happened, and then bigger picture into some of the challenges uh, facing the industry with some of these things happening. You can go back and listen to that for free on the Odyssey app. And we mentioned Wichita State playing K-State. Wildcat fans, you can go check out the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat podcast, the latest bowl and transfer portal news, as well as men's and women's basketball all season long. Follow PowerCat podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Tommy's back in when we return. More Sports Daily right after this. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Welcome in uh, if you're just joining us. Appreciate the conversation with Kevin Saul. Always good to kick things around. I, I, I come at, you know, trying to get to the next phase of college athletics aggressively because I think it's fascinating. But don't get me wrong. I totally understand that it is insanely complicated. You're talking about a model that's existed forever. I, I think fundamentally the issue we're going to have to solve is what we're beginning to see. Like there, there just is there is a difference in the highest level of athlete compensation from the vast majority of athletes, and having those two things coexist will be the challenge. And as some have suggested for a long time. Maybe they don't coexist and and maybe there's a way. So I don't and I don't have a real strong take on that. I don't know. Uh, But I do know. That we've had a, a system that has been strange fundamentally for a long time and athletes have to maintain the ability to, you know, you're you're worth what somebody says you're worth. Right. And 
people have said they're worth a lot for a long time, and you either have you know cash bags under the table or you have a more formalized version of it. But yeah, it's, well, it's challenging. Yeah, and you know, on top of that too, it's constantly evolving, and it seems like every week yep. there's a different development, and um, you know, and all these different parties that have different priorities are trying to get in and, and stake their claim and all of that. And so it makes it incredibly complicated to stay on top of what's happening in the world of college athletics and where it ends up going. I hope that at some point everything is stable and everybody knows and it's clear and, you know, it just doesn't it, change for a while. Like, I hope we get to that point will to be. where there's a blueprint, everybody knows it, and we can move on. I Look, the when this started – we knew that there was going to be a Wild West nature to it, and there would be consequences of that. I think I put it at I, – I may have said five years, which may have been way too ambitious at the time of, like, when the dust settles and we get to the end. Because then you had conference realignment play in, right, and that's changed everything too. So it's probably may, – maybe it's more like five years from right now. But I do think we'll get there. And I do think some of the challenges from an administrative and a university standpoint that, you know, Kevin brought up there are the reason why, as much as we don't want them to, the government will probably have to get involved because there is a taxable piece of this. But it's interesting. You know, taxes are always complicated. So I went from a regular, you know, nine to five, not nine to five, never worked nine to five in my life, but, you know, a regular 40 hour a week in theory or whatever, you know, employee that gets a paycheck. For, for a long time up until – well, really until I started radio back home in Amarillo, and then it's like, okay, that's different sort of income, right? You just get the check, and then you're like, oh, this is great. But all those taxes come due all at once, and it can be a bit jarring. So now I'm like that about four different ways, and I still am a part – so it's all different. So like trying to keep track of it. Even at even like for me is it's insane and it's complicated and it it kicks you in the pants every time you get it. I can't imagine if you know what some of these athletes would earn to have to try to do that right. is going to be complicated and hard. And like I get it, I I understand that. But I think if you gave one hundred people the choice of dealing with the tax implications of you know getting paid a hundred thousand dollars or not. I, I mean, we all know where that would go. Like, yeah, well, I'll I'll take the money. I'll deal with the taxes later. Um, so I, it's, and look, I think that the, the tax implications are there for sure, but, and you're always going to have issues with, I mean, I remember watching one of the 30 for thirties a long time ago uh, on ESPN of all the pro athletes that have gone broke because they didn't deal with why. their taxes and all of that. Right. Yeah. Like they get all this money right when they get out of college and then they don't know how to, how to use it. So I think that having some guardrails, you know, for 18 to 22 year old kids, who are collecting all this money now in NIL potentially, having those guardrails, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but there is some personal responsibility that you have to have there as is. far as being able to be smart totally. enough to know that you need some help in managing your money. Like I'm in my late 30s, a few years ago, I'm kind of in the same boat you are. It finally hit me. I'm like, I'm not smart enough to do this on my own anymore. Like I got to hire an accountant. And, you know, and a lot of people do that, right? Like it took me a little bit longer in life to get to that point. Yeah. I was doing it myself and I was probably doing it wrong, right. you know, for a when long time. When you get Don't a paycheck, though, that, you, just, but, you, know, you just go to TurboTax yeah, exactly. and they do it for you. But it gets more complicated. Right. I, I, but at the same time, and I've said this for a long time, and I think most people at, at a universal level would agree with me on this, I think. Like we are educating young people 
And if they are good enough to merit this sort of compensation, we're at a school. How about some classes yep. Yep. to educate about how this works, well, how shoot, to do this? Go, what, I've said this for years in my life. That should go all the way back into high school and middle school well, yes, and all of, of that. Of course like, it should. Learn how uh, but, to but I'm talking about like Learn how to do your taxes. Like, you imagine know, Caleb Williams. Right. Okay? Caleb Williams needs a degree in being a professional athlete. Yeah. Like, that needs to be his degree. You know, if that's what he—you know what I mean. Why are we taking— and this is a more fundamental, and whatever. We'll we'll take a we'll take a shot here. Shots fired. Why does he need a you know a, a freshman level biology class if if he's already basically taken that in seventh grade and eighth grade and a couple of years of high school? No. How about we replace that if we're talking about the value of an education and actually take some classes that will benefit him and what he decides to do professionally? We all don't need to be biologists. We all don't need to be you know, English majors. And yeah, we can. I'll sit here and have the conversation about how those things benefit us as a greater whole all day long. Happy to have them. But at the end of the day, you got to pay for those classes, right? Whether it's through uh, you and I who write a tuition check or somebody in a scholarship, those have to be paid for. So as long as we're forcing people to take unnecessary classes, how about we force them to take some necessary classes? in what it is that they have to do. So let's educate our young people on how to manage their money, on how to be pro athletes, on how to utilize if you're going to be in a space where maybe you are marketable or how to take what it is that you do and market that. Let's educate these young people on how to do that stuff rather than just say they're not going to know how. How about we teach them how? And you think back in the day when this was all under the table and it was not above board and you had cash bags and you had, you know, things like that that were being paid by really unsavory people in a lot of cases. You yeah. think those athletes were reporting that income to the IRS? You think well, those things a, were actually happening? Yeah. No, because, like, then you're getting into compliance issues. And, you know, they, they're, they're the links to, again, really unsavory people in a lot of cases. So they weren't getting an education in that at all. So if you're going to make it above board, put some guardrails in place to at least allow these athletes to learn how to manage it in the right way because they're going to be better citizens for it later in their lives. Once their professional careers are done in football or basketball or whatever, they're going to have a fundamental knowledge on how to manage money, which can then be transferred to a variety of other skills in their post-athletic life. Uncle Sam's always going to get his, right? Like, don't Don't think for a second that, you know, it's all, you know, um. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion high and mighty on why the government might want to help these athletes. Boy, that's a lot of taxable income back on the table, yep. baby. And and it's been taxed once and now we get to tax it again. Let's go. Let's help these kids earn. Yeah. You know, let's get that double tax. But whatever. We don't need to go down that road. Uh, I'm a little bitter. We just got property taxes here. Everyone in Cedric County can relate. Right. Now. <laughs> we yeah. don't we be a little jaded to have a tax conversation right now. Uh, all right. Sports Daily. You can check out any of that. Uh, at the uh, Odyssey app. Um, let's tell me we haven't talked at all about the Chiefs moving forward. Um, it is a Wednesday. I know they play on a Monday, but we're not going to be here on that Monday. Let's begin to look at this Raiders game a little bit when we come back. We'll take a look. Uh, Chiefs Raiders Monday Night Football. Does it scare us at all? I think everything has to scare us this year with the Chiefs, but the matchup, what we think next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Glad to be with you. Uh, let's, Tommy, let's look ahead just a little bit to Chiefs Raiders. We get very busy on, you know, Thursdays and Fridays here on the show. Uh, and we won't be with you on Monday. So let's spend just a minute here with Chiefs Raiders. I don't know how much that game concerns me. You had that weird thing the first time they played where the Chiefs got down 14 nothing, and then they sort of steamrolled their way through. Um, I would, I mean, the first, honest, it may be strange, but like the first priority for me as I think about that game is, is Isaiah Pacheco going to be able to go here? Like, are we, are, is he going to be good so. to go? I think he's good to go. Yeah, that's what that's what I want to see before anything else because that needs to not be a lingering thing or this is going to get real interesting for the Chiefs. They need him back. Um, they're 10-point favorites at home. They fare well against the Raiders historically. I don't think the Raiders are going to do anything that scares them. I hate them. that line, I mean, though. I hate that line. I know. I know. But I. But it's the truth. I mean, they need to not allow them to jump out to a 14-0 lead. I mean, the Raiders, right? they scored 63 points their last time out, right? And they're super well-rested, or at least they should be. They played Thursday night against the Chargers. They don't play again till Monday. You know, so you've got an 11-day rest period. It's basically like a short bye for the Raiders coming off of a 63-point output against the Chargers. Now, the Chiefs' defense completely different than the Chargers' defense. The Chiefs are playing really, really well defensively. I don't think the Raiders are going to put up 63 against Kansas City or anywhere close to that. But I just I don't like that ten point line. Do you uh, do you remember how many points the Raiders scored the week before? Uh, three, zero, scored, zero. They gave they up lost, three. Yeah. yeah, they gave up three. Yeah, yeah. They, they, so like I, I again like the Chargers are a hot steaming pile right now, and so I don't know how much to take away from that. I, I don't. You know the the Chiefs didn't happen that long ago. After those fourteen points that they jumped out to, they only scored three the rest of the way. 
And so that's more of what I want to see. I mean, the Chiefs got him by, you know, 14 in Vegas. The Chiefs need to smother them defensively. And then, you know, just continue to try to scrap their way through and figure it out on offense. But I think Isaiah Pacheco being back is, you know, is one of them. But, you know, just just continue. Like, can we if we can get through these and I'm going to call them cupcake games, even though that's a dangerous term in the NFL, I know. And anything can happen on any given side. I get all that. But they are, relatively speaking, cupcake games down the stretch here. The Chiefs need to flex defensively, right? The whole notion that the Chiefs still have a shot at a Super Bowl, which I do still believe it's based more on the fact that they can walk into the playoffs with with possibly the best defense going. It's not about they're going to figure it out on offense. It's never been about that because they're not going to. It's can they smother people defensively and then have enough offensively to get it done. So for me with the Raiders, I want to see them be able to run the ball because that's a part of that and play great defense. I, I don't. Like for I know we want to say, oh, can the wide receivers figure it out? Or but like that's not going to be what gets it done for the Chiefs. They're going to need to be really good defensively, and they're going to need to be able to run the ball. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell last Thursday was out there looking like Joe Montana, uh, and that's not right. gonna that's not gonna happen on Christmas Day. I don't think against the Kansas City defense, but. I was really impressed with what the Chiefs were able to do against Bailey Zappi. Keep in mind, it's Bailey Zappi, right? You know, so the the bar is set fairly low, but they smothered Bailey Zappi. They got after him like crazy in that game. And then they were able, even in, in downs where they weren't able to get to him, they hurried him and they made him force throws. That's what they have to do again against Aiden O'Connell um, and, and the Raiders on Monday. If they can force a couple of turnovers and, uh, you know, I think that they're going to be in good shape. But I, again, I've, I've said this so many different times. I'm done expecting that Kansas City is going to do anything with the pass game. I'm, I'm done expecting that. If it happens, that's a positive, and I'll take it, and I'll be happy with it. But I'm done expecting that they're going to come in and do that. I want to see Isaiah Pacheco just the way you yep. do. I want to see him yep. take the game over. And then I w- I'd love to see Clyde edwards Lair have another good game and kind of in this resurgence a little bit. If they can do both of those things, I feel pretty good about their chances. Yeah, I don't want to see like 30 carries from Pacheco, especially if he's coming off injury. I just want to see him out there, them get a lead, and they can put him on ice. I don't care at that point. And then you can run it, you know, a billion times to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, offensively, that's it. Like, because I think at this point we know, right, it's going to be Rice, and then it's going to be Kelsey, and I do think it's in that order right now. Yeah. And then, you know, and then it's going to probably be a little bit of the running backs and, you know, then maybe five targets spread out elsewhere. I don't know that it's going to be more than that. Well, we, <laughs> and it, and yeah. that may be pushing it. We right? know, that we, may be a little yeah. too much. We know Sky Moore is on the shelf. He's not he's done for the rest of the regular season. That's not a bad thing, I don't think. Uh, but then, you know, you have to wonder how the rest of the targets are going to be distributed out. Um, you know, is it? Is it Richie James? Will we see an increase in snaps yeah, for him? Know. Maybe. You know, will we see? I mean, it sounds like Justin Ross. They tried is Watson. Back. They've will, tried that. You know, I mean, I think that there are a couple of other options where you don't necessarily have to give all of those targets to Tony and MBS. No, no, no. I, I don't think in totality, whatever it is, it's going to be more than four or five. You know, Tony can be reserved for jet sweeps for all I care. Like, I, you know, I again, like, where can he be utilized where he cannot make a mistake? Yeah. Um, you can run the ball with him, I guess. And the Chiefs have done that, you know, historically with guys. So we'll see. But run the ball. Let's get Pacheco back out there, and let's see the defense really do what it can do against a team like this. That's what we want to see 
out of Monday afternoon football. That's a that's a Christmas Day game. Uh, what do you think about Christmas Day games, by the way? I think there's three of them this year. I actually love it. I'm good with it. I do, too. I'm not an NBA fan, and typically on Christmas Day, it's NBA, and I don't really watch a lot of the NBA until it gets to the playoffs. You know, So I never get excited for NBA Christmas Day matchups, but I will for NFL games, and especially if it's Kansas City. Uh, I'm all about that. Yep, I um, I agree with you. I, I As much as you don't want it to interfere – it doesn't have to interfere. Yeah. And it just like, you know, Christmas morning is so fantastic and wonderful. But like one of my great memories growing up was we'd all end up at, you know, my grandma's house on. But we'd always have a football game to watch. Right. You just like the whole family is still together doing that. But you're just kind of watching a football game. And I don't and it's think just it, ba- even if it's just background noise, I don't think it takes over quite like football on Thanksgiving does like that, like football watching from start to finish in the day on Thanksgiving, like that becomes kind of the dominant thing. I don't think that NFL games on Christmas Day quite have that same kind of impact. So I don't think there's any issue at all with having an NFL game on in the background on Christmas Day. And and let's be real. Like, I don't know if it's the same way for a lot of people, but at least for me, it's like Christmas morning and then the rest of the day is kind of open and kind of done, you know? So I have no issue at all with watching NFL football on Christmas Day. I don't either. I, I think it can be fun. And, it, you know, like obviously people are going to lock into the Chiefs, but you don't really have to lock in to the others. You can just sort of have them. And if you're out and about and driving around, you'll uh, you'll have opportunities to listen to those games all on Westwood One, of course, here at the Odyssey app. I'll be on uh, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, you can check that out. I'm curious to see. I think I did Christmas last year. I don't remember. I did. I've done a lot of the holidays. They're interesting shows. It will be uh, much We'll call it easier, but hey, to have NFL football there to talk about three games, pfft, come on now. If you want to bring me on and we can talk, you know, most like worst Christmas movies of all time, be happy to do that. Or for is you. or is soup a meal? Uh, we can do that. Right. Hey, everybody across the country! <laughs> now we're gonna go to we'll spend our next ha- two and a half hours on uh, whether or not soup is a meal. Merry that would Christmas, actually probably be, yeah. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the network today. Next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.